So listen, this morning, uh, I want to take just a few moments uh, to begin a new series. I want to talk to you about living in the zone. We, uh, for that time of year, people that are sports fans, they know this, that spring training starting for baseball, college basketball, college tournaments are happening, and uh, we're, 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 we're just a day, a few days away from the start of the NCAA tournament. And they'll talk, they'll use this term in the sports world, they'll talk about being in the zone. I've had those moments. As a sportsman, I've, I've had those moments where I was in the zone. When I was in high school, I could, I could dunk a basketball. I could actually dunk a basketball with either hand. I, I say this, that now the only thing I can dunk is Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, but I still, I still enjoy playing from time to time. And I have those moments where, man, I'll be shooting back, and I just, I can't miss. And there's, there's nothing better than being in the zone. I, I have it. I have, it, I have those moments on the golf course as well where just the rhythm is right and everything's perfect and I can, man, I can position that ball right where I want it to go. I'd like to say that I have that ability as a fisherman, but um, yesterday uh, I, I thought I was going fishing and I discovered after uh, spending several hours uh, casting uh, and, um, well, just casting, I discovered that I'm a much better boater than I am a fisherman. Uh, yesterday, I wasn't, it just wasn't so much in the zone for me. But you have those moments, right, where everything's clicking and everything's working. Can I offer this to you? That's what God wants your every day to be. God wants us to live life in the zone. He wants us to live life where it is fulfilling, where things are just working. Jesus said that in John 10, 10. Jesus said this, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Or I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. And God wants you to live life to its full. And what Satan does is Satan is a distorter. He tries to convince you that he has a better plan. But here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that what Thoreau said when he said this, all men lead lives of quiet desperation. It probably accurately reflected the people that he was hanging out with. Can I offer you this, men? And not just men. Can I offer you this, men and women? It's not God's desire that you lead a life of quiet desperation. Life is not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. God wants you to live with a smile on your face, a song in your heart, and a swing in your step. God wants you to live your dream. He really does. He wants you to live your dream. Let, let me tell you, let me tell you a dream that I've had. Not just a dream that I've had, but a, a, a prayer that I've had. And, and I want to talk to you for just a second about the goodness of God. I also want to, quite honestly, I want to talk about what God's doing here at Calvary. So, in, in, in the early days of ministry, I, I prayed, I really wanted to be, because I have a heart for missions, I want to see my neighbors come to Christ, I want to see my city come to Christ, I, I, want, I, I want us to truly be one nation under God, and, and, and I want the world to know Jesus. And, and so uh, there, there was a, a, a time where I, I, I really, I, I would say, God, I want to give my life in mission. Um, and I want to give my life as a missionary. And then I spent five years in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I realized that that was my missionary venture because uh, I hate the cold and I hate the Green Bay Packers. I know there are Packer fans here. God help you. I know. I understand. It's okay. Um, but I do. I hate. And listen, I know people go, Pastor, how can you say hate? It says in the Bible that God hates things. And if God hates things, then I can hate things. And I hate the Packers with the white hot heat of a thousand suns. But 
But God, God spoke to me and he said, Ed, I've not called you to be a missionary. I've called you to be that pastor that puts the tools in the hands of the missionaries. I've called you to be the pastor that supports what I'm doing in your city and around the world. And so I began to pray and God gave me, I believe he gave me this dream in my heart to pastor a church that would give a million dollars a year to missions. And, and so I started praying as a young pastor, God, I want to pastor a church that can give a million dollars a year to missions. And uh, in, in my previous ministry assignment, we were, we were creeping uh, upwards towards that. We, we had gone past the half million mark, and, and we, were, we were creeping towards that. I, I will tell you, in full honesty, when, when we made the move a little over three years ago to Calvary, that, that we kind of stepped back significantly in that, just because of where, where Calvary was as a church. But, but it, it was a few years ago that, that I stopped praying, God, let me pastor a church that gives a million dollars a year to missions. And I said, God, shorten the time before I'm pastoring a church that gives a million dollars a year to missions. I would not have thought in 2014, when we started this journey together, that that would happen as quickly as it is happening. But last Sunday, we challenged you in your faith promises to say, God, we believe this is what you, I believe this is what you want to give through me to help others know Jesus. And that number just committed to you beyond your ties in giving and faith promise giving, that number was right at $750,000. Now, we take 10% of what the church receives and we give that to missions, 11% actually. Our budget this year is just a little over $2 million. Friends, here's what this means. It means this. In 2017, God will give over a million dollars through you to help others know Jesus around the world. Calvary Orlando will give over a million dollars to missions this year. That's an amazing thing to me. Let me, let me offer this to you. I am living my dream. It, I, I, I'm, I, I'm fortunate. I consider it a blessing um, that I, I receive a living wage to do what I do. Uh, I will tell you this, I've never asked for a salary as a pastor. I've never asked for a raise. Uh, God spoke to me early on in ministry, and he told me, don't ever ask for a salary, don't ever ask for a raise, but don't ever refuse one. <laughs> Amen? And, um, and, and I, I'm thankful that God, uh, that God has, has been good to me, and, and this church is very kind to me. Uh, but if I wasn't paid to do this, I would volunteer. If I couldn't volunteer, I'd have to pay to do it. Because it's, it's not my job. It, it is, it's what's in my heart. And I, I live my dream. The question I have for you today is this. Are you living your dream? Are you in the sweet spot of life? Because God has a wonderful and glorious plan for you. In fact, here's what I want to do. I want to camp on one, on, on one verse this morning. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. God, I thank you for your word today. I, I pray that you'd help it to be a lamp to our feet, a light into our path. God, help us to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. God, we commit this time to you. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
So I want you to understand this. First, I want you to understand your identity. I referenced living in the zone, being in the zone. And you're part of an incredible team. If you're a child of God, you're part of a family and you're, you're part of an incredible team. And I want you to recognize your identity. I want you to be comfortable and confident in who you are. Here's what Ephesians 2.10 tells you, friend. It says that you are his workmanship. You were not an afterthought. Before you were fashioned in your mother's womb, God knew you. You were not a mistake. You were not incidental in any way. But you are in the center part of God's divine plan for his world today. And he orders your steps. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And so, having an understanding of of who we are is vitally important. We live in a world, we live in a culture where people are struggling to understand their identity. We have people that are are caught up in all kinds of of identity confusion. And in that, there's, there's frustration and there's even anger. I want, you to, I want you to rest and be confident in who you are and, and who you are in Christ. Recognize that he knows you. He knows your name. He understands what you're going through. And you are precious to him. In fact, Scripture uses this word to describe you. In, in, in English, it means a work of art. You are a work of art. The Word of God says I, I, that, that, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. For we are His workmanship. You were created by the master creator. You were created by the hand of God. He fashioned you and He formed you. Celebrate that. Find comfort in that. Find confidence in that. I'm convinced that one of the key tools the enemy uses to keep us bound is a misunderstanding of our identity. And God brought you here today. Listen, God brought you here today to speak specifically, prophetically into your life. To say that he knows who you are. Not only does he know who you are, but he created you to be who you are. And so just breathe in that. By the way, you don't have to be somebody you're not. God made you, and when he made you, he made you to be ideally you. I, I, I love the fact that God made me to be me. I, when, I was, when I was first starting out in pastoral ministry, I, I, I would see these seemingly successful people. Right? And, uh, and I would say, man, I want to be, be that person. I, I, I want to be, in, 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 in early days of ministry, uh, I, I was around people that, that, man, they were shouters, right? Very bombastic speakers. And I just, man, I couldn't do it. I can do it, but it's kind of annoying, you know? 
I mean, I can, I can, I can, I can shout and get red-faced, but it just, it, it just didn't, it didn't fit me. It didn't fit my personality, but I thought that's what I needed to be. You know, I was around people that, man, they would get excited. They would take out their hankies and wave it. I can't do that because my hanky, it's just this thing on this card. <laughs> right? This does not have the same effect. Right? Come on, preach it, brother. Come on. See, it just doesn't, it's, but it looks good, I think. And it's so much easier on a Sunday morning to make this happen than it is to try to, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and then, then I would watch these guys on TV, right? And they would, they would be quoting all of these Greek terms. And so I thought, that's what I've got to do. I, I've got to show people how intelligent I am. Right? So I would get up and I would speak and I would have all these Greek terms and people would be looking at me and going, that's Greek to me. And I, I just, I realized that what I was doing was that I was, I was speaking to impress rather than speaking to inform. I said, God, I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I don't want people leaving going, wow, that Ed's an amazing guy. I want them leaving going, I've connected with a real God. And somewhere along the way, God helped me to come to grips with me. Flawed, imperfect. I, I, will, I, will, I will turn on um, uh, Good Life 45 and I'll, I'll watch our services that are aired on, 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 um, on Thursday, Thursday evenings and um, it's on Sunday and Thursday, and I, I catch it on Thursday. Um, and I'll watch, and, and there are times that I go, Ed, that was really good. And there are times I go, Ed, why in the world would you even say that? But in the end, you know what? I am who I am. And I'm glad that God has made me me. You know what? I'm also, I'm glad that God has made you, you. And I'm glad that God has only made one of you. You can take that for what it's worth. <laughs> and no doubt you're glad that God's only made one of me. But we are his workmanship, right? He is cre we, we've been created, and, and we've been created for a purpose. And, and understand this, we've been created in Christ Jesus. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. That, that statement, created in Christ Jesus, that speaks to the price that God paid for you. So this morning... I want to help you live in the zone. And how do we do that? We do that by understanding our identity. We also do that in embracing our value. Isn't it interesting how the enemy tries to speak over us and convince us that we have no value? He wants to convince us that somehow we're fatally flawed. Somehow we, we don't have anything to offer. We don't have anything to contribute. Or, or that somehow... A misstep that we've had in life disqualifies us for being a part of what God's doing. And, and then, and then here's, what, here's what the enemy will do. He'll take that distortion a little bit further. Because we'll start to say, you know what? Not only do I have no value, but all of these people who think they have value, they're actually operating in hypocrisy. And it's that, it's that loss of understanding of value that actually fuels us being critical of the people around us. 
And you know what I've discovered? That one of the quickest ways to be truly unhappy is to allow the misperception of who you are to influence your understanding and your value of the people around you. And so today, God's brought you here to speak to you, to say this. You have identity and you also have value. You are his workmanship and you were created in Christ Jesus. Now, God made you for a reason. God made you for a purpose. He's given you this identity and he's given you this value. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do good works. We're to model Jesus. And scripture tells us this, that he went around doing good. Right? Scripture challenges us. It says don't simply be a hearer of the word. If you're a hearer of the word and and, and you don't do anything, it says that you're self-deceived. But we're to be doers of the word. God has made us. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works. Now, why? Why is it that God wants us to do these good works? Here's the reason why. Because God has this plan for our life. And he wants us to know it, and he wants us to live in it. Now, you serve a God, I serve a God who has no need. God has no need. He spoke the word and the world came into order. He fashioned man from the dust of the earth and then breathed life into man. Jesus, during his earthly ministry, could call forth Lazarus from the grave. He could speak and the winds would be still. He could pray over a little lad's lunch and feed 5,000 men plus women and children. We, we serve a God who has no need. And yet, he created you and he created me to do good works. Why? Here's the reason why. Because God wants you to live a life that is fulfilled. God wants you to live a life that has purpose to it. God wants you to live a life that has a sense of destiny attached to it. And so these good works, it's not because God is a taskmaster. It's because he wants you to step in to the opportunity that he has for you. The enemy... has been able to convince people of a great lie in this this massive distortion that being a Christian is about all the things you don't do, right? Don't smoke, don't dance, don't drink, don't chew, don't hang around with those that do. That's what Christianity is for so many people. And yet, God's design is so much different than that. And his plan is, is so much better. We, in the last couple of months, we, we spent time looking at the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament and the, and, 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 the, and the two commandments in the New Testament. Right? And we looked at those and we saw that even those Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, they're really designed not from a task perspective, they're designed from a, from a relationship perspective. They deal with first our relationship, the vertical relationship, the relationship between us and God, and then it goes to our horizontal relationships, the relationships that we have with one another. And everything that God does, He does with relationship in mind. Everything that God does, He does for your blessing, for your good. 
Being, being a Christ follower is not hard work. And being in the center of God's will is absolutely the key to happiness. When you ask most people the question, are you happy? The vast majority of the people will say yes. But they won't look you in the eyes when they say it. Because we're trying to convince one another that we're happy. I think that's true for a lot of people who spend a lot of time in the church as well. And it's because we bought into a distortion of, of who God is and we bought into a distortion of who we are. And so we do this church thing rather than, rather than living the life that God has called us to live. The Apostle Paul made this statement. He said, so I say live by the Spirit and you will not satisfy the desires of the sinful nature. Right? And then he, he lists the, the things that are, that, are, that are true to the sinful nature. But then he says, if, you li- if you're living in the Spirit, if you're, if you're walking in harmony with the way that God has designed you, understanding the price that he's paid for you, doing the work that he's called you to do, here's what's going to be evidenced in your life. And, and I want to I I ask you this morning, will you do this? Will you take a quick inventory? This is just between you and God. But... On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate these things in your life? And if we were to ask your family and your coworkers, how would they rate you? Are you ready? Ready for the list? Love. To you, experience love. Genuine love. Are you loving towards one another? Joy. Are you genuinely joyful? Would, would people around you say you're genuinely joyful? You know what my experience is? The Christians are some of the angriest people on the planet. I don't get it. I've said this before. Turn on Christian television, turn the sound down, and just watch the facial expressions. It'll frighten you. Peace. Is there a settledness about you? Or are you uptight about everything? Patience. See, here's the word of God says. It says this is the evidence of the spirit of God within you. And and this is the quality of life that God wants to bring to you. You're, You're his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And 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 the the effect of that is. Living a life that's filled with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I've often said this, the best diet is the Holy Spirit. Self-control. 
If I honestly assess where I'm at on those things in my life, it's going to reveal to me where I'm at in living this life that God has for me. And, and, and God brought you here this morning, friend, to speak to you about this. Not to judge, not to put you on blast, not to condemn, but to lovingly encourage you and to challenge you that life can be better. That he wants you to live in the sweet spot of life. He wants you to live life in the zone. And we do that by understanding that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. See, you have a destiny. And I have a destiny. God has this incredible plan for you. There are a lot of things that amaze me about God. I think this is the thing that I'm most amazed by. I am most amazed by the fact that God is so powerful and has this limitless ability And yet he is so tolerant of me. The, the times that I live my life in, in ignorant opposition to him. The times that I do things that are in overt opposition to him. Right? There, there are things in my life that I can say this, that the first time the devil made me do it, but I enjoyed it so much that after that I did it on my own. Come on, I'm not alone. Right? I know that it's wrong, but I do it anyway. I'll figure out some scripture to rationalize it or, or some, find some theologian that will agree with my position. And yet, you know what God does? He patiently and gently says this, Ed, I've got something better for you. And I'm here waiting. And if you just want to surrender that to me, there really is something more. Love, joy. Peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what I want to bring into your life, he says to me. Man, if I were God, I think I would smite a lot of people. You know who would be the first on the list? Ed Garvin, because that guy's messed up. But when God looks at me, here's what he knows. That I'm a work in progress. And he who's to begin a good work in you will continue that work until it's day of completion, the word of God says. And God is patient. 
right? Because God is love. God is kind. Why? Because God is love. God keeps no record of wrongs. Why? Because God is love. 1 Corinthians 13 that describes love, when you, when you recognize that God's word tells us that God is love, right? 1 John 4, 7 through 8. So that description of love, that's it's a description of God. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It keeps no record of wrongs. So God is patient with me. He understands that I'm an unfinished product. He's not surprised when I falter and I fail. But here's what he whispers. Ed, I I have something better for you. I have something better for you. I have something better for you. And he's brought you to this place. to say to you that he has something better for you. I, last Sunday, I stood down here and as worship was happening, I had a moment where I I honestly, I was emotionally and spiritually overwhelmed. Because I, I could hear your worship. I, I saw this amazing team on the platform leading us in worship. I knew what, what God has done in our midst and what he's doing. I turned around and I, 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 just, I glanced real quickly at, at just the church worshiping in this amazing room that God has given us. And I said this to God. I said, God, a little over three years ago when when I started this journey here at Calvary, God, I, I believed for this And I thank you that we're not at the pinnacle, that we're really just getting started. God, I I believe for this. But God, seeing it come to fruition, I'm amazed by it. Let Let me offer this to you in close. Sometimes when you're living in a miracle, you can't see it. And I want you to know that what's happening at Calvary, churches don't experience this stuff. To to see a church go through the transformation that we've gone through in the last three years, really significantly in the last 18 months. Friends, this is the stuff that books are written about. And, and we have the opportunity to be right in the middle of it. And, 
And what God is doing in the lives that are being changed, the miracles that happen every Sunday at this altar, people being saved, delivered, and healed. If you wonder if God is there, if you wonder if he cares, just look at what he's doing around you. Don't take it for granted. And what God's doing in our church corporately, that's the same thing that he wants to do in your life individually. He wants you to live in the sweet spot. He wants you to to, to live that life in the zone. He wants you to be living a life that is absolutely fulfilled. Why? Because you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. See, you have an identity and a value. You have a purpose and a destiny. Let me say that again. You have an identity and a value. You have a purpose and a destiny. You have an identity and a value. You have a purpose and a destiny. You have an identity and a value, a purpose and a destiny. Don't let the devil convince you of anything else. And for the skeptic that came here this morning, and you've got these different voices speaking into your life, trying to convince you of different things, Maybe even at one point you were deeply connected in church and you've listened to the critics and the cynics and you've bought into the distortions. God has brought you back here today for you to experience not the counterfeit that the devil tries to throw at you, but to, but to experience what it feels like to experience the genuine presence of God. And have his voice be the voice that's speaking to you. Saying, this is the plan that I have for you. This is the dream that I've placed in you. This is the destiny I want you to walk in. That's his heart towards you. And that's the opportunity that he presents to you. You have an identity. You have value. You have a purpose. And you have a destiny. And for some of you, God is speaking to you even right now, saying, it's time for you to stop fighting and surrender to me. Walk in the, in the identity I have for you. Embrace the value that I see in you. Recognize the purpose for which I have made you. The destiny that's before you. Because that's where we find life and life to its full. That's where we find life in its abundance.